own. Um, Luke was on that one actually, but um, but yeah, I I mean it's been a hot minute. That was in 2019 that I did that, so it's been a while. You're probably my first guest that's been on a podcast before. Oh really? I'm assuming, yeah. I'm sure a lot of your people are like just yeah, just like you know. I'm just here to have a conversation. <laughs> well, that was I really definitely stole the idea from the podcast. I, I remember hearing Joe Rogan say, I like to talk to interesting people about interesting things. And I was like, man, that's really true. And that's why his podcast is so captivating. He's like talking to people that you're like, this is a very interesting person. And they're talking about something that is extremely interesting. And I'll sit here for three and a half hours and or, listen to it. Or like something that's totally different from my experience. And I have no, you know, like yeah. it's fascinating because I have no concept for it. So, so um, really the, original reason for starting the podcast was just to try to, to help with the education piece of being a doctor. It's like, how many times can you say the same thing over and over and over again before yeah. you want to, you know, hang up your white coat and never come back. So, yeah, um, that was kind of the reason. And then also I, I kind of get to learn from other people. So that's, I'm excited to do this one. I secretly have been recording you for now one minute. Oh, wow. Okay. That I'm going to have my attorney reach out about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, in the state of Indiana, I believe I'm allowed to do that without your knowledge. Different (laughs) states. I don't know what South Carolina is, but, uh, different states do, uh, different things with that. So I feel like I need to be like a long time listener, first time caller. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've been, I've been listening to you do this thing since you started. I mean, I was, you were doing like the videos, you know, just like randomly on social media. And I think that was before you had decided to put it on a podcast, I think. Far, far before. You are yeah. probably in the top 10 of my original people who would like listen to what I had to say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as far as medical content online. Yeah. 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 But now I, I just, I remember liking it because you were doing things and you still do this all the time, but like, like oh there's Caleb just like chopping wood without a shirt on talking about healthcare in America like it just I don't know it just felt like oh this is like related like I'm not gonna you could be you could have been saying the same thing behind a lectern in a in a university and I wouldn't listen or I wouldn't watch that YouTube video but because you were like in the yard like doing nothing I was like oh yeah I'll watch that that was I appreciate that that was that was the intent yeah. I <laughs> yeah like I don't want to stand up here and act stiff and talk stiff and you get, you're going to be disengaged. Yeah. Plus part of the motto. um, So in functional medicine school on the first day um, we had to learn like the basically foundational ethics on like, what is a functional medicine doctor? Why do we do what we do? And the motto um, that we had to learn in school was do as I do. And what mm. our, our document was like, you can't tell somebody to make this, this, and this health recommendation that you do not follow on your own. So mm. I'm outside yeah. in my bare feet walking in, you know, October, November for real. And I'm doing that because I actually think that there's health benefit to it. I'm swinging an ax. I'm picking up heavy stuff. I'm not asking people to do something that I've never done. So that's mm. part of the reason mm. too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and plus part of me thinks like if you were behind a, a lectern, you know, or something like that, I'd be like, man, shut up, Caleb. I've known you. I've known, <laughs> I've known you for like 14 years. That's that's not you, <laughs> you know. You are so right. I am 
weirdly more credible looking less credible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> so this idea for you to be on my podcast came from you. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah. Or? Well, we were talking, um, I was with you and your family, um, in May and, um, we were just talking about the podcast, talking about how I love it and how I listen to it and, you know, whatever. And, you know, I was giving you a hard time about it or whatever, but then you were like, yeah, we should do an episode. And I was like, well, I don't know like what that would be on. Cause I'm no, you know, professional or no, you know, I don't know. I'm not an advocate of any kind or, you know, whatever. And, and then I got to thinking and I was like, well, that's actually like an interesting concept is like, I just, I feel like there's a lot of people like me who are kind of like, just, I don't know. We're just like, we're bopping around. We're living life. We're not necessarily like trying to be ignorant, but we're also like not overly concerned, which <laughs> I know that can, I know that can also like mean that I'm ignorant, <laughs> but like, I guess I was just getting, what I'm getting at is that like, I feel like there's a lot of average people with average questions and maybe even an average dose of like skepticism that when it, when it comes to like some of the stuff that you are passionate about and I don't know. So I just kind of pitched it to you as like, yeah, what if you taught, what if you had a conversation, kind of an open conversation with like, you know, an average cynic or an, an average skeptic and not necessarily someone who's like, really trying to like oppose you but someone who just raises questions that a lot of normal people might have about this kind of content and these kinds of topics and you know and we just kind of had it had a discussion with them and and saw where it went and i think it's a brilliant idea because all of us to some degree kind of you know whether whatever expertise you're in have run the risk of getting stuck in your own echo chamber and mm -hmm. I love the idea of what you titled it was interview with a skeptic. And maybe this is our first interview with a skeptic. And I don't know if you even want, should we even say your name? Should I just call you mad hops? Um, no. do, do we want yeah. to even say what you do or where you live or why? Oh, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with it. Come, come at me, bro. Come, <laughs> send, send, tell people to send all the, all the, all the fan mail and all the hate mail. Right. <laughs> yeah. Send all hate mail to LukeSuch at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, my name is Melissa and I, I mean, Caleb will refer to me as Mad Hops, which is a nickname from college. Um, we didn't go to college together, but I went to college with his brother. Um, and yeah. You I think went to I Moody Bible, right? Yes. Which makes me, yeah, fully able to speak to all of what we're going to speak to today. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, and we, I think we've known each other. Well, I've known Luke for 14 years. And, I mean, I met you shortly thereafter. So it's somewhere, you know, somewhere in the 13 to 14 year range, which is like crazy to think about. It is weird to think that it's that long. And the other thing I'll say when introducing myself, I feel like this is kind of important for the conversation is that like, I, <laughs> I am probably not representative of a lot of the folks who like listen to your podcast. And what I mean by that is like, one, I'm not under your care. I mean, I would, don't get me wrong. I would trust you with my life. I would, I would be under your care, but I'm not like a patient or someone who goes to you, you know, for like 
trusted medical or nutrition advice or something like that. That's and why then, I think this is going to be special. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think there's that's a that's a benefit. Um, but I also think that like I assume this is maybe a false assumption. You can tell me that like a lot of your listeners tend to like passionately agree with or come to agree with your like opinions on things mm -hmm. and and they do come to you as like a trusted medical you know advisor and so because of that like they're looking you know for your expertise on something and, and or they're like i really agree with this man's like what he's what he stands for and i you know am following along in this journey because of that and i guess i'm just saying like i don't tend to get really passionate about like anything <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying is like me, I tend to like ride the middle of the, of the road on most things. And I tend to like see a little bit of, I, I tend to agree with like a little bit from each side. It doesn't matter what it is. Like it really can run the spectrum of anything. I'm kind of like usually like right in the middle. Now there are some things that I'm like super passionate about, but most of the time, I'm like right there in the middle. And so I guess I just felt like the need to be like, that's kind of a caveat. Like mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm, I'm not on one extreme or the other, which again, I see that as a benefit and a safe, like a safety net, like for this conversation. Cause I feel like I'm like, yeah, I can, I can agree with a little bit of that, but I can also like disagree with a little bit of that, you know? Yeah. You're going to be, uh, really good for this type of conversation for exactly that. And one of the fun things that, about you just as a person, because you have that quality, you're kind of ubiquitous in all social scenarios. It's like, oh, Mad Hop's going to be there. That's awesome. Everybody says that. And <laughs> that's a unique thing to have. And you also have the ability to critically think and, and question and maybe go against what someone is trying to say. But it's never, it, it's always in a very loving place. I don't have that quality. <laughs> I am extremely passionate about some things, as my brother uh, Luke likes to remind me many times that my tone comes off poor. My content is fine. The tone is poor. And so <laughs> that's why talking to you is going to be great, because I'm going to probably not have any bad tone, and we're going to have a conversation. But, but let's say, so an interview with a skeptic, that kind of predisposes that you're skeptical of something, can you try to define what you're skeptical of? Especially yeah. in, in my world. What are you skeptical of? Yeah. Um, I kind of, as I was thinking about this, as we like set a date to, for when to have this phone call, I was thinking like, okay, if I had to boil it down, because I think there's a lot, I mean, you, you talk about an address and, and crossroads addresses and, you know, your practice really encompasses like a lot of different, topics and arenas of you know of the world and i feel like or of culture whatever i don't know how to say it but you know you, you're talking about multiple things it's not just you know medicine or whatever and so if i had to like i feel like it was helpful for me to like you know um consolidate my skepticism <laughs> into like three kind of buckets and so i was going to kind of present those to you as like all right you know there's there's food you know the topic of like food and nutrition there's like the healthcare or um you know medicinal side of what you you know are passionate about and then i threw a i threw a well okay i have a, i have a miscellaneous one 
in case the third one isn't like somewhere we want to go. <laughs> and the third one's COVID. <laughs> so, you know, just keeping it real light here and uh, just, <laughs> just, just only covering the easy topics. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound difficult at all. Yeah. No, 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 no. So, but yeah, food. Um, and then, like I said, health, healthcare slash like medicine, whatever. And then, um, it's kind of, it's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a softball about COVID. All right. It's not like anything too crazy, but, um, and then there, I think maybe we'll end, or I would like, you know, to hear your thoughts on like, maybe the last one is kind of like more overarching. Um, I don't know. Does that sound like a good plan to you? I think it sounds like a great plan. Um, we kind of have to talk about COVID. It's somewhat relevant right now. Um, it's the largest thing that's, um, sculpted our healthcare uh, decisions and health, anything since for forever. So Mm -hmm. it's probably Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that affects my life on a day to day as, especially as a doctor. So to try to avoid it, I don't think it's possible, but why don't, yeah. So let's do this. I'm going to say, let's start with food. And I would love to get into your um, skepticism, skepticism about it. My guess is that you're going to be um, questioning why is one piece of food um, not identical to another of the same kind? Why is this lettuce not the same as this lettuce? Like what, what's the nutritional value of maybe eating organic or not organic? What is that uh, um, significance of all of that? Is that where you were going with the skepticism on food and healthiness? Yeah, yeah, sort of. Um, kind of the whole the way that I was going to ask you is, you know, have you ever heard like your, either your mom or I know my mom has said this where like somebody, some, some mom, it usually is a mom who makes the comment like, Oh, well, we never had that when we were raising you, like, you know, some, some crazy invention that they have nowadays for moms, you know, to peace of mind or whatever. And I don't know, my mom will quickly be like, yeah, well, I, all I know is we didn't have that when I was parenting you and you turned out fine, you know, like that kind of logic. And I guess like sometimes when it comes to like the food, like conversation or whatever, and all of this like organic talk, like it seems kind of like, like that, that's kind of what I want to say is like, well, gosh, like we didn't have that when I was growing up and like, why we turned out okay. You know, like we ate all the preservatives and we microwaved everything and we like, like it's safe to say that like my family was the least concerned with any of that Mm -hmm. and like we turned out fine you know it's kind of like the logic and I guess like that that's kind of how I wanted to frame the food thing is like why all of a sudden it just seems like all of a sudden it's such a huge deal and there's such tremendous health um you know uh repercussions and and or benefits and like I guess just like why is that and you know, why does it seem like, gosh, like we've been, you know, the message is that we've been doing it wrong for, for forever. And, you know, suddenly now we have like the keys to doing it right. And it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah. So one of the simple answers to what you're saying is that, um, disease manifests time. It takes a lot of time. So, I am amazed. I I have a patient that I just saw today and every time she comes in, I cannot believe she's still alive. Mm. Um, 
the amount of drugs, the amount of interventions, the amount of surgeries, the amount of infections, like this woman has had, you can't even think about it. Like think about having dozens of abdominal surgeries, dozens. Mm. Think of having no colon left and no small intestine left. So you, your feces go into a bag. Um, how do you absorb your nutrients? You have had all your teeth are rotting out of your mouth. Like my point with this is um, human beings are unbelievably resilient. And so for disease to start to manifest, you really need a long time to, to be putting in poor inputs or inputs that are promoting disease because the healing body, the healing powers inside the body are amazing. They are amazing. And so I think that we are a product of, a, especially with it when it comes to food, because I use this P word a lot, but I think that the product of our poisoned food has only come to light in the last 10 or 15 years. Mm. And so now it's all of a sudden a big deal what you eat and what you do because we actually have had the evidence of eating poison in our, in our health. In our, and if you look at a lot of the health metrics, they're really, really poor. Uh, in this country, like, just, like generally trending down. Yes. So for the first time um, in a generation's life, I think it was last generation that they were predicted to live shorter than their parents. So mm-hmm. that was or shorter than the than the, the generation previous them. That was the first time in our history as a country that that has happened. If you look at the metrics on um, chronic disease, uh, especially in children, in lost life. So we have more women and children die in this country than 30 other countries combined. We have really poor infant and um, mother mortality rates. And then another one that gets thrown out a lot. um, But I don't think that we should um, let this fall on soft ears here. Like America is less than 10% of the world's population. I think they're 4% of the world's population, yet we take 60% of the world's pharmaceutical drugs, which by that you could infer that we are the sickest nation per capita in the entire world. Now, obviously, there's some caveats to that, right? So a lot of people can't afford drugs in other countries, so that's going to skew that number. And maybe they don't even have access to them, so also going to skew that number. But you, you kind of get what I'm pointing towards, that these are, these are all signals that we have problems in this country that other countries don't have. And when you have that issue, you got to start looking at what's ubiquitous across the country. Well, unfortunately, it's our food supply and a few other things. But you have to start looking at food when you're looking at health. And so that's why I think that we're starting to see that trend now. Hmm. So that's only one answer to your like multifaceted uh, spectrum of criticism on the organic thing. But does that jive with you at all? You got to push back. I get that. Well, I think the pushback is like, okay, so like, let's say it's not really pushback about that specific point, but it's still more about, it's still about food. Like, let's say that that is true. And let's say that eating, um, you know, organic, you know, whatever. And I use that term. I know that that's like not all or even like advertised organic food is like truly organic or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But like, 
what what is the um like couldn't couldn't you also say that just like i don't know olin mills or whatever the cereal brand is or whatever just like they are out to you know make money off of a product like so is the quote organic like food industry like that 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 it too is a way to capitalize on people's wallets and like make money oh goodness yes it's completely been um tainted the word organic has actually been robbed it's an untrustworthy word right and so um even even the word regenerative so we have a regenerative farm i'm almost like hesitant to even start using that word because um people are trying to steal it because it's marketable and they know that it's marketable because consumers want something that's healthy Right. They want to give inputs in their life. I really try to break it down as simple as possible. It's like everything that you put in your mouth either contributes to your bucket of poison or it contributes to your ability to get rid of the poison in the bucket. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. it's not that simple. Um, but an overarching like principle, it really is that simple. So mm-hmm. if I'm going to eat food that has been sprayed with chemicals, and has genetically been modified to withstand those chemicals and not die, that's probably going to contribute to my chemical load. And we know that chemicals, it, it, doesn't, it should not take a couple of minutes thought to understand that chemicals are not good for us. There are hazards mm-hmm. on every chemical. There's warnings everywhere, and if you're exposed to them, it's very easy to understand that these things, chemicals in general, are really toxic for our health. So in, and the reason why I, you know, Luke and I had talked about this very briefly, but, um, the reason why we're starting to see this now is we really didn't start chemicaling our food until the mid nineties. We started putting preservatives into our food before then. And I think you can argue that that was a chemical. Um, but as far as herbicides, pesticides, um, we didn't really have the technology to to spray a whole bunch of stuff on our food and not kill our food until mid nineties. And Mm. at least that it wasn't a common practice. So you start looking at chemicals in the fertilizer, now chemicals inside the genes of the ant of the plants and now chemicals that are being sprayed on top of it. You go boom, boom, and boom, and then all of a sudden, 10, 15 years down the road, now we start seeing chronic disease rates start shooting up. Hmm. And now we've got organic labels, and now we have uh, Honey Nut Cheerios. Actually, um, this was a while ago. Honey Nut Cheerios was the first... um, It was the first food product that put on the box of food... um, Oh, I hope I get this right. I believe they were the first one that said non-genetically modified. Hmm. And they lost a lawsuit when they were sued by, I believe it was Monsanto, for putting something on their product that made Monsanto's product look poor. Hmm. Which was a a fascinating precedent. Obviously, it didn't hold up. There's labels of non-GMO all over the place, but... Um, yeah, there's yeah. the point of that is there's a large market out there and you got to be careful cause you can get fooled by that very easily. But the market is there because there are enough people that understand 
that there are chemicals inside of our food source and they do not want to participate in that because they directly link the chemicals to their health or they directly link them to their chronic disease that they have had that they're trying to overcome. Hmm. Hmm. Like what, what's an example of like one of those diseases? So I didn't know if I was going to talk about this, but I think I will. I try to make things simple for people. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> there's thousands of diagnoses. And when I'm sitting down with someone and they want to know, they you, really what's at the core is they want to know what's wrong with me or mm-hmm. why did it happen? So if they have the answer of what's wrong with me, they really then want to know why did it happen. Um, and we can get real fancy with um, big words with diagnoses that are hard to pronounce. But I really think that you can manifest all disease on a cellular level is either necrosis or inappropriate cellular division. Necrosis is when a cell dies and it lyses or explodes. So all of its inside matter comes out. And that's a problem. The body does not like DNA being spilled outside of the cell. And so your body has to have an immune response to actually clean that up. When you necrose enough cells, you will manifest an autoimmune disease. Because your DNA is outside of the cell. Your white blood cells have to clean it up. That is an immune response. If your white blood cells start to generate a Uh, I don't want to say a taste because that's a wrong word. If they start getting told to constantly be cleaning up the body's self proteins, we have now an attack on self and that is an autoimmune disease. And that, that category is gigantic. So somebody can come in and they say, well, I have, you know, this pain in the arches of my feet and my back hurts really bad. And I have IBS and, and, um, I have, diarrhea and then also constipation and we do some blood work and you look at it and you go wow you have Mary Strumpel's disease that looks that sounds terrifying right uh, Mary <laughs> Strumpel's disease or it could be um, rheumatoid arthritis it could be Charcot Mary Tooth syndrome I'm using these obscure ones to try to make a point yeah they're all the same thing it's sure. just which tissue is being attacked yeah and so um they are all really the same thing. You have had too many of your cells die. The opposite end of that is you have mitochondrial dysfunction. And, and when you have a dysfunction in the organelle inside of your cell that's responsible for apoptosis, which is what we call programmed cell death, and your cell doesn't explode, because cells have a, have a shelf life. So every 90 days, your red blood cells have to recycle themselves and they get made, and we make more red blood cells. That, that's the life cycle of a red blood cell. There are many other, like bone, many bone cells last 30 years, but they still recycle. If the recycling mechanism is broke, many times the cell will divide again. Well, that's bad because over time that cell is going to degradate And if it does that enough times, we call that cancer. 
So I really think that you can argue almost all diseases will manifest either into autoimmune disease or cancer. Hmm. And that's it. And the, the cool part about that, if there is something cool, you asked me for an example from some of these diseases that are caused by chemicals. Um, well, heart disease, in my opinion, and a lot of doctors' opinions, let's call it, let's call it atherosclerosis or plaquing. That's an autoimmune disease. That's an immune response inside of your arteries building plaque based off of a oxidative stress or damage or free radical of some kind, which I like to use the word poison, chemical. And so yeah, yeah. you can say that strokes and heart attacks and dementia and uh, um, Alzheimer's and diabetes and um, oh, what was the other major killer? Cancer is the other one. Sorry. I was trying to leave off cancer. You can, you can argue that all of those are actually the same thing in many, many ways. And they are, yeah. they are a metabolic um, tilt towards having to clean up an inflammatory soup inside of your body. Inflammation is causing massive amounts of damage, and is that damage causing autoimmune disease, or is it causing, you know, depending on the tissue that's involved. So, If you had to, like, give a percentage, and maybe this is impossible, but, like, what, per, I guess, what percentage of the, you know, those, that, those diseases even that you just named or whatever what like what percent would you attribute to like food or I guess diet like and what I, I don't know what the other what the alternative is but like is the is the other like truly genetics like I don't know you know I don't know what I guess just like yeah what does that does that question make sense yeah it does it's a really hard one to answer because I think it's actually changed and of course I'm giving you a guess Sure. Um, but my guess is, you know, I mean, it's not worth nothing. I see about 160, 170 people a week. So I get a lot of touches on this. So I get to do a little bit of guessing here. Um, I think that 90% of these problems are with food. Really? Mm -hmm. Food being the number one culprit. Yes. Here's an unfortunate thing, though. I'm not sure these problems are fixable with our current food supply. Huh, okay. And I say 90%. Um, it might be lower because of what's happened recently because I do think that I'm seeing a signal of far more environmental toxins being a contributor to people's health. So I've seen a ton of people the last two years specifically um, who are really healthy people who are extremely um, vigilant about what food and what things they put in their body and watching their health decline. So I think 90 is probably high. Pre-pandemic, I would have said 90. Now I'm, I'm, huh. I'm, I don't know what to say. Huh. So just to kind of, um, I want to get to the other two topics, mm. but mm. another pushback on the food or just to kind of round off. So what, 
I think like sometimes, sometimes from my, you know, my skeptic corner of the world over here, I think like, okay, so what you're just, you're literally like your solution is to just literally live off the land. Like <laughs> never, never, like never set foot in a, in a grocery store, n- never go to Walmart, which I, I tend to avoid Walmart if I can help it <laughs> just, just as a general life principle. But like, <laughs> Like I get, you know, like what, what, so do you not have, do you and Maddie and the kids, do you not have any snacks? Like, do you not have any, you know, granola bars, like any, you know, nothing from Costco? Like what, what's the, like, what's the realistic aim here, I guess. And yeah, I think sometimes that's like where my, my, the cynicism is a little bit like, okay, so what are, what, like, what, are we just not supposed to support grocery stores anymore? Like what's, What's the alternative, you know? I love that you asked me that question because um, I've told, I try to tell, because I, I try to tell people that what the, the picture of health is for me. I think the epitome of health is for you to be able to live in this country, in that toxic environment, and being a part of it to a small degree and not um, degrading your health. I absolutely go to Costco. We absolutely have snacks. I 100% eat things that I know are not the healthiest. Um, I'm hoping that the other practices that I've put in my life that are there to take poisons out of the bucket, so to speak, increase my body, my ability to um, live in this world, especially in America. I've, I've told people, I try to make it practical to them, and I say, hey, listen, um, if you got enough money to go buy an island with its own fresh water supply and food source, go ahead. But yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if you don't, you have to learn how to live where you live. And, right. and you just have to. Now, there are some few exceptions. I had a patient who left and moved to the Upper Peninsula because they don't have as much farming, agriculture, and spraying because their son was showing high toxic levels of glyphosate in his blood. Uh, that was a choice that they made. Um, mm-hmm. and, but uh, that is not the solution. The solution is not only living off the land. If you do that, you will become such a lonely, lonely social pariah. You will only be able to connect with people who have taken it to the extreme that you have. You won't ever totally. be able to yeah. go out to dinner with someone. You won't ever be able to, to invite someone to your home. You won't ever be, you won't be able to do any of that for the fear of, what if I go to someone's house and, and they have mold there? Or what if they, you know, what if um, their gluten-free bread uh, has sprouts in it that have been sprayed with glyphosate and it's not, you know, labeled on the package? Like, we can take this yeah. to a weird place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I, yeah, I think, and I think you're totally, like, I think that is a big, um, there's just, there's so much media right now that only shows, the extreme or Mm -hmm. I guess really highlight the extremes and I think for the skeptic it's 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 I'll say for myself it's easy to be like well yeah like I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna grow my own food I'm not gonna you know so like you know what's my alternative but to go to Costco and like you know or, or whatever like I guess and it's yeah it's easy to I think it's easy to avoid sometimes the more natural path like um world because 
it 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 does feel like such an extreme. Oh, um, yes, it, it, it's one of my most frustrating characteristics about people on my side of this fence. Um, with like, I'll look at okay. Let's say I'm a I'm a crunchy person that's gone completely organic, and and you and all of the things, right? And you look at someone who like you, who's like, hey, maybe I, I like I like to know a little bit more about this and they're like no if you're not all the way over here you know drinking your own morning urine and doing coffee enemas (laughs) and doing cold plunges and only eating beef liver then you aren't healthy like that is such a unhealthy perspective on life I disavow with those people I do not align with them even though we may look like we're aligned that is not not healthy in my opinion Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I honestly think that very, very few things in life are really found on the extreme. Like that those seem, those seem like the most polarizing, whether it's this, whether it's this side or this side, like those seem like the most polarizing places that you can actually be because ultimately if you're picking an extreme, you are isolating yourself from the, from the, the, from the other 50% that are on the other one. And I just don't feel like, especially biblically, like that's ever really the the thing that we're encouraged to do. <laughs> no, so. we are encouraged to live down low, like you said, in the middle. There are times you go up to the mountain and have an extreme experience, but you your day-to-day should be here on a level playing right. ground. And I'm right. glad you said that. I, I have told people that, so this is a principle that I have learned over the last um, year or two, this came I, I started to realize this. So it's taken me 10 years of doctoring to realize this. Um, healing happens at the extreme. So I have something that is diseased in my body, chronically or acutely. How do I heal it? Well, let's use the acute scenario, sprained an ankle. I'm going to take that ankle to an extreme level of cold. I'm going to plunge it in an ice bath. That is extreme. Um, like you leave your foot in there, you'll lose the foot. So you're playing at this, these levels of extreme. Healing, I, I use very frequently in my practice fasting. I make patients starve from food. Now, this is done under supervision, but I've had patients 10, 12 days without eating cause massive healing things to happen in their body. Maintenance um, of your body does not need to be that extreme. And that should be the regulars that you're at on your day to day. You are, you do not have to take this to an extreme, but if you have been given, let's say you've been given a diagnosis of cancer, right? You got stage two breast cancer. Well, um, you can try all the things that you would do to maintain a healthy body, but I would argue that your body is not healthy. It is manifesting disease, and you need to take this to an extreme to, to sure. actually make some changes. And that has been my observation that I've made. I did not read that in a book. That has been my observation of treating tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Sorry, not tens of thousands of people, having tens of thousands of patient visits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. I think that's good. I think, yeah, I think that's a lot of, and even the next couple of things we're going to go through, like, I think that's 
that's that's just good that's a good umbrella you know over the whole thing um to remember it even um, applies to chiropractic like i take your joint to an extreme mm, so extreme yeah. that it explodes but that extreme if done wrong i could hurt you so yeah. you have to be very careful with your extremes you have to be very yeah. very um in, intentional with your extremes and they should not be all the time yeah yeah if i come yeah, over I like and adjust your, your neck every single day i will cause problems i know? was gonna say i like your your example of like yeah it's a mountaintop and you know but, but you're gonna come back down from that and find somewhere you don't live you know, up there somewhere, yeah somewhere Mm-mm. somewhere um at you know at at base level to to kind of live um so speaking of like the medical um, side of things, like this, uh, we joked a lot in May, like a buzzword that I, I just feel like I get, I was giving you a hard time about is like intervention. Like <laughs> I've never heard that word so much in my life <laughs> that like, or I, I have, but it's, it's never meant, it's never had the same meaning that I now give to it thanks to your uh, podcast and stuff but yeah an intervention is something you're supposed to do with your uncle who drinks too much right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah or like behavioral intervention in school or whatever right, i don't know right. it's just, yeah it's never uh it's never meant what i now know it to mean um and you know it's kind of like a like i was joking with you like yeah it's like it's like swear words like it's like oh like intervention like you know and I'm not making light of it, but I, I, mean, I guess I am. <laughs> but, <laughs> all right. You got me. But I, I guess my, my question is how do you with what, so this is like moving into like healthcare, medicinal, you know, um, medical stuff, whatever. How do you reconcile the thought that like, I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer in, in Jesus. And, so my faith would lead me to believe that like God, and I think this is probably a common thing that you hear or deal with. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I won't be surprised if you have like a straight go-to answer, mm. but how do you reconcile the fact that like, I believe that God has given us certain, dare I say, interventions that have come along with modern medicine and advancements in technology and all these things that like actually do help us like how do you reconcile that with you know some of these firm held beliefs that intervention by you know i'm I'm using that word generally speaking but like is bad and that our bodies are meant to be you know to, to to do more naturally than they are with these interventions so how do you, I, I guess just, yeah, does that question make sense? Like, how do you reconcile those two things um, that there is such a thing as great medical advancements that are helping and, and that do help people every day? Um, you know, are you, are you saying that those are wrong? Like, are you saying that those are bad, that we shouldn't take advantage of those if given the opportunity? I think that's my like biggest, question about like the medical side Hmm. um i think that they're used inappropriately way too often i don't disagree that there are massive advancements in medicine and interventions that 
are unbelievably life-saving. Um, I think that we've confused sick care with well care, and that is a big problem. So when you're using interventions you use um, for sick to assume wellness, that I don't love. Um, and in many cases when I talk about intervention, really what I'm trying to say, read between the lines, is every intervention has risk. Every non-intervention also has a risk. And so for some reason, we stopped doing the equational uh, assessment. So we've only risk, done the risk assessment of not doing anything. So we're intervention heavy, and I think that it has spawned because we are a fairly litigious society. And so um, doctor's knee-jerk reaction is, well, I did everything, and it didn't work out. When far frequently, if doctors would say or do nothing and try to observe and listen to their patients, um, they would exhume far less greater risk to the actual patient, which is why the John Hopkins study that was done uh, four or five years ago was um, quoting iatrogenic harm, meaning doctor-caused harm, as the number two or three leading cause of death in this country. So if we have interventions that we're doing that are saving lives, I love that. If they're the number three leading cause of death, whoops, we did too many. And in my state is a good example where if you look at births around the country, um, C-sections should really only be done about 10 to 10% of the time, maybe less, around 10%, but it should be around less than 10% of births have to result in emergency, cut the baby out. And in my state, we are um, actually, I don't know about state, I should say my city. Hmm. We're in the 30% range. Hmm. So that needs to beg the question, what is happening here? Are we quick to the knife? Or is there something going on in this city that is making women have to get their babies cut out of them rather than born vaginally. Hmm. So that was a very broad answer on interventions. Interventions could mean a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm guessing like with that last question that you just asked, like you gave the two alternatives, is there something wrong like in our city or are we like quick to the knife? I'm guessing you would, you would err on the side of being quick to the knife. I think that that's what's happening. A lot of OBGYN care is risk assessment. And it's like, What's the riskiest time um, when the baby's inside the mom, right? Mm-hmm. When you don't know what's going on. If I can yank that baby yeah. out and check some vitals and, you know, give it some medicine if it needs it, I feel a little better as a doctor. Um, yeah, yeah. Have, having it be in there and us not really know what's happening. Is it under stress? Did the uterus rupture? Like, what's going on? So, yeah. well, let's, let's cut it out and get it out here. And, and now what kind of risks came with your intervention? And I have to do, I have to deal with that all the time. Um, One of the biggest risks to mom in that scenario is now you've torn open their abdominal cavity and you have left them susceptible to chronic low back pain um, 
and disc herniation and, and just kind of a debilitated, you know, uh, core, which leads you to a lot of different problems. The biggest thing that I have to deal with that is actually in the infant because the infant did right. not pass through the vaginal canal. It doesn't get the bacteria it needs. And now it's susceptible to chronic infections. And, and yeah. the, the um, survival rates are, are significantly lower for someone who's been C-sectioned. I'm not saying you can't. There's people who have C-sections survive all the time. The mortality rate yeah. goes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's just like it's so sometimes it's, yeah, I, I think I think that's the biggest skepticism that I have of this whole, and I know that intervention is being used very um, generally, mm -hmm. um, but unless we were going to go through each <laughs> type of <laughs> intervention, it's kind of hard not to, but like, I don't know, I guess I just, that, that that just seems to be the biggest thing is like, well, wait, are you advocating that we don't take advantage of how far medicine and technology has brought us? Um, and, and I know that's not necessarily what you're saying, but I think that's like a lot of the message that comes across sometimes. Yeah. Like that, you know, that, that, that all intervention is bad. And that our bodies are meant to do so much more than we give them credit for, which I think, by the way, is true. It's just like sometimes I'm like, yeah, but like these, you know, these these things that we have available to us are are amazing blessings. And, you know, why wouldn't we utilize them to the fullest? Did you have a particular example? Well, I don't know. I guess like I, I didn't um, when I should have, but like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe, okay, well, okay, yeah, like, <laughs> this is, this is maybe, like, this is like, I feel like this is low hanging fruit. So <laughs> it's probably, it's probably not a good one. But like, you know, the average, like, drug for a headache, like, mm. and, and I'm not necessarily, this isn't even talking about like medical advance, like, this isn't talking about technology, although at one point, ibuprofen was a medical advancement. But like, you know, this isn't like talking about some major piece of equipment that's sitting in a hospital, you know? Right. Um, like I've got a yeah, migraine, let's take some Excedrin. Rather yeah. Like the idea that, yeah, rather than like go a more homeopathic like route and, you know, maybe not have it be as effective. I don't know. Um, something, I don't know if that's a good example. You may have a better one that more people bring to you, but like, you know, just, just things like that, things in that vein where it's like, I, me personally, have no problem popping a couple pills to get rid of my headache. Yes. And, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm not alone in that thought. I, I, I completely understand that. I agree. I want to give one other criticism um, to interventions are um, especially convenient ones like that can be a roadblock to you actually getting to the root cause of the problem. So if it's, I have a headache because I slept wrong and my neck's kinked and I, you know, I slept in a airplane on my way to this, it, like, yeah, I'm all for, let's take some ibuprofen and get rid of that. Actually, if you're in my office, I'm going to do a whole bunch of other stuff that hopefully is better than ibuprofen. But if you still uh -huh. need ibuprofen, let's take the ibuprofen. But if you're like, 
yeah, I get headaches three days a week. Um, well, what causes them? I don't know, but I just take this Excedrin and it goes away. Okay, well, if you do that for the next 10 to 15 years, you might um, cause some liver damage and maybe some uh, GI bleeding. Um, and NSAIDs are responsible for over 20,000 deaths in this country a year. Um, maybe we should try to ask why you're getting headaches three times a week rather than yeah. the convenient intervention because of technology makes it so convenient. We can take away this inconvenience rather than try to dig at the root cause of it. Hmm. Yeah. Which yeah, takes time, fair. but that takes time. And that's part of the problem. Like we, you were talking, you wanted to get into the skepticism of insurance and medical like establishment in general. One of the problems mm -hmm. that they have is that they're dealing with the, the sickest country in the world, which means they have a high amount of people that they have to see in a very yeah, short sure. amount of time. That's dictated, get them in, get them out. That's yeah. dictated by insurance. And what's the easiest thing to do? Here's the intervention that will handle the problem that you came to me with. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. If what the patient came to you with is the root cause, frequently yeah. it's not. My shoulder hurts. Happens to me every day, by the way. Great. If I just go over and I start massaging and poking and needling the shoulder, what if it's their neck? It, so I have to do some bit of investigation. Um, I have to take some time with my patient to try to figure out if what you said to me is the actual truth or is it your interpretation of the truth. And that is why... Um, the medical care in this country is really difficult because the conversation of pain or the language of pain is really only understood by experts in pain. Pain is uh -huh. very difficult to interpret. Um, and if you don't take the time to, to try to tease out the foreign language that this patient is trying to speak to you, it's so funny. I had a patient say to me just recently, I know my body and I know what it needs. And I wanted to say, if you did, why are you in my office? Because yeah, you're yeah. here yet again with another problem right. that you want me to do the same thing I did last time that didn't fix it. So mm -hmm. yeah. I, I didn't say that. I cracked her neck and I sent her home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, right. but um, right. lay people do not know what pain means. They do not know what it means when they get a signal of pain. And that is hard to say to someone when they say, my head hurts. And I say, yeah, but it's actually your colon not absorbing the water that you have because your bacteria levels are off. And then they're like, yeah, but my head hurts. And so um, it's just, it's hard. Being a, being a doctor, you have to take time and tease it out. You have to. Yeah. And I think that's one of my biggest beefs with the current insurance model that's kind of swinging doctors around by their, you know, the carrot and the stick, like, hey, you want paid? This is how you're going to behave. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, you don't have to tell me twice about if, the, in fact, if there's one thing that I'm not skeptical of, <laughs> it's how twisted the insurance <laughs> world is. Um, I mean, I've got an autoimmune uh, disease myself. My mother has an autoimmune disease. I mean, we, you know, we, we have, yeah, we have lots and lots of cancer in our family mm -hmm. and in our like medical history. And it just, just 
I've seen it all and it never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> um, but like, speaking of that, I guess just like this, this is actually the most question I was going to ask you last, but it's similar. It ties in like, so how do you avoid, it's kind of like how I asked you about food. Like, it's like, okay, so is your solution just to never like the mm-hmm. only eat vegetables that you grow? Like, how do you avoid kind of this like doomsdayer mentality where it's like it's all bad you can't trust anyone no one's good no one's pure everyone just wants to make money or control you so that's the whole medical system and you know like that's just that's just the truth so avoid it at all costs like how do you I guess yeah how do you avoid like what is the tension there of like we do know that some things are incredibly backwards but you know, at the same time, I also know that there's some doctors in the middle of Northwestern or here it's, um, I don't even know that, I guess Prisma or what, you know, whatever, wherever the local, whatever the local place is. And it's like, you know, they're, they're good people. They're good. They're you. There's, there's Caleb's in the middle of these, some of these huge monstrosities of corporations and hospitals and medical networks. Like, I guess just like, how do you avoid that doomsdayer perspective? And um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that's my question, but there's a whole lot wrapped up in it. Okay. I I think I can actually answer this very simply. Um, There's really two options, and I'll get to kind of a caveated third. The way that you avoid it is, one, you completely embrace engulf yourself in all things health and try to become your own expert. I don't recommend that route, by the way. I'm going to choose option B. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of patients that do that. I actually have some patients. Oh, I I don't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. That do not have the ability to hear what I have to say because they know everything. That's a bad place to be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Especially when it comes to medicine no doctor yeah. knows everything um medicine changes all the time that's why i yeah. tell patients all the time you want to know whether or not you have a good doctor ask him when was the last time he was wrong and if he looks at you confused you better leave because mm-hmm. the doctors are wrong all the time i'm wrong all the time um i don't i'm get... totally doing that next time i go to a doctor just before they even say anything yes. I, it's my last question uh <laughs> when was the last time you were medically wrong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Okay. And honestly, I'm gonna stay because I already paid the twenty dollar copay. So. <laughs> um, the other option is you really need to get a provider that um does one thing, and they they practice informed consent. So, when you get a provider that practices informed consent, what they really have to do, or what they should try to do, is explain why they want to do something. So if I say, hey, Mrs. Jones, I want to um, I want to do surgery on your rotator cuff. And and the answer, and she says, okay, um, you really think I need it? And he says, yeah. And you're like, okay, can you give me some more information? Now uh, you need surgery on your rotator cuff. You need a doctor that will imply informed consent to the fullest or at least as close as they possibly can, which you need to ask good pointed questions because remember they don't have much time. So keep it short, keep it direct, ask them a question 
and and push back on them a little bit. Hey, uh, I understand that you think this is the best for me. Can you please tell me why? What have you seen in your practice that makes you say this? And if you get a doctor who starts <sighs> huffing and puffing and meandering around, like doesn't want to talk about it, I think you need to find a new guy. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're kind or of or girl, Caleb. Oh, oh yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, or girl. <laughs> so you need to Come find. Come on, man, it's twenty twenty three. Sometimes I call guy girls guys, and I know that that's yeah. that's like I group every like all sexes yeah. in the term. You guy. are all yes, we are all guys. Yes, yeah. kind of like mankind. It's like, well, yeah. where's the woman kind in there? Well, they're yeah. in the mankind. <laughs> So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> we'll get gender. We'll save for the next skepticism. Oh yes, perfect, perfect. Gender <laughs> will save. I have thankfully been able to sidestep all gender comments publicly. <laughs> so if you're the one who drags me into that hellhole, <laughs> I will consider this a success. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the third little caveat option is kind of what we've done for a long time, at least what our parents' generation did, which was he's the expert or she's the expert. So it's what my doctor said, so I believed them. Yeah. And I yeah. just think we can't do that anymore. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, our institutions have shown uh, bias and propaganda and being bought. Unfortunately, our regulatory agencies have shown bias and propaganda and being bought. And so therefore... Um, experts from these particular regions, um, you need to prove to me that you're an expert or you need to prove to me that you have my best interest at best heart. Interest. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Not some other motive, whether it's industrial, uh, financial, insurance, whatever the motive is that you have that's making these recommendations. I need you to prove to me that you don't have it and that you're really tailor-fitting your advice to me the person in front yeah. of you who's paying you money to consult with me. Right. So. But I think, I think that's what's hard is that people like, I know for me, it's like, well, shoot, like I'm only going where my insurance sends me, oh, like where, my, where, I'm, where I'm covered and where I, you know, and if that's, I'll try to find the best one, the one I feel the most comfortable with within that network. But mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm only working with what I got and I can't afford to go elsewhere. Um, and I think that's for, I mean, at least I'm, I'm speaking about my situation, but I think that's a lot of people where it's like, yeah, that pretty much limits me to the big guys or girls. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you hit the nail on the head there because not a lot of people um, have budgeted or have planned for the ability to pay for medical care out of pocket. Yeah. Unfortunately, most of the good doctors go out of network. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. in my town, there's probably five doctors that do what I do, like functional medicine. Mm. Two of them, no insurance, cash only. Mm. Um, because... Well, I guess I'd have to ask them, but I really think what it is is you get so overwhelmed by how many people that want to come see you because you're taking the real approach to medicine, which is root cause resolution. Um, yeah. That one of the ways that you um, control the amount of people in the doors, you stop taking insurance. Yeah. 
yeah. My life gets real easy when I charge $600 a visit and I don't take any insurance. Your overhead right. goes down, your profit margin goes up. Um, it's something that I don't know that I want to publicly make this statement because insurance could completely change and force me out of it, but it's something that I'm pretty committed to never doing. Hmm. I hmm. think that I will always take insurance for the reason of, hmm. I don't think good healthcare should be for the wealthy only. Yeah. Well, I guess you could, you could probably safely say like within the current operate, like with, within the current way uh, of insurance, like I don't want to do that, you know? <laughs> like, yes. As terrible how things are currently <laughs> as terrible as insurance is. So this is, so it's really frustrating. I'll, I'll give you an example. So Blue Cross Blue Shield, it was until recently. They, they actually just gave me a pay raise, but they, they cut my pay a few years ago. They paid me $24 and like 30 cents for a, a patient visit. That's really hard um, to pay back student loans on if you're getting $24 yeah. a patient visit. So <laughs> yeah. what you have to do is, yeah. uh, and that was for, for an adjustment. So that wasn't including an exam. So if I saw a new patient okay. exam, I would get a little bit more money. But okay. if you come in to get your back cracked and it's like, okay, well, I got $24 for that. Well, great. You better see 10 people in an hour if you want to actually yeah. be able to pay your staff, your overhead, pay, you know, your student loans back. And so, um, I don't know. It's a weird struggle, but the way the current market, the way the current insurance system is set up, um, I'm pretty dedicated to just taking it on the jaw just a few times so that people can actually use their insurance and come in and have good care. Yeah. 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 That's it, it. And you know what? We've done a pretty good job. I, I get to work with Andrew which is really, really fun mm -hmm. because, um, he's all right. He's all right. Yeah. He's, he's, he ain't listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's another one of those people who's, uh, him and his wife, uh, they really are blissfully ignorant to a lot of health things. <laughs> um, and they just got it good, man. They just, it's like, yeah, I didn't know that was going on. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think if Andrew if Andrew worked from home, I don't think that they would have even known COVID happened. Like they, they yeah. <laughs> were out here in a villa on 70 acres that were just doing life different. And I don't think they would have yeah. even known. But anyway, it's fun. I get to work with Andrew and we get to find solutions to those problems. Okay. Insurance yeah. companies handed you this massive problem. How do you find a, find a solution to it? And we have come yeah. up with some new unique ways in order to, spread my ability out to see more people in an hour and not um, deviate from our standard of care so that mm -hmm. I can charge a lower amount per patient, but still generate the income that needs to make our office go. So that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, it's, it's not, it's a, it's, it's that whole, like not operating from a scarcity mentality, you mm -hmm. know, it's like, okay, well, this is, this is like what the cards are and how the system works. And so we're going to play it, you know, to our advantage and operate, you know, with our values. Like if you're, if you're operating a value based business and especially when it comes to medical care, which I know you are, then, you know, our values are going to drive what we do and we're going to work within the system to make that happen. So yeah, I, I see that. 
I see that as being, yeah, a solution-minded like way of operating and not a scarcity one. Which that was very well is, put. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You need a job? I, I, yeah. <laughs> you open up a practice in South Carolina. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, yeah, I think, I think the, um, I think the whole, you know, I, I think, I think just kind of wrapping it up here or whatever, my, my portion of the questioning, like, I think everything that you are trying to do is value-based, like, mm. and, and I think that's, I guess, what I just said, where it's like, our it's very, I, I know that, for example, I was on staff at a church um, when COVID, when, when, I mean, the, you know, the world shut down. And I always point to, I just remember our leadership being so clear. And I, I just, this was one thing that I thought we did, we did do very well was like our decisions during that time were, were so value driven that it almost made all of the little decisions that we, all of the little things that came up and, you know, do we do this? Are we going to do this? It's like, you know, is it in line with our values? Then, then yes. And is it not? Then no. And I just remember being, feeling, feeling really great about that time. Um, and, and it's, it's, I think, I truly think it's one of the reasons why that church grew coming out of COVID and, and never shrank. Like it, we never saw a drop in attendance. I mean, I mean, of course we were not meeting in person for a time. So obviously you can say that was a drop in attendance, but like it, it truly grew as a result of that time rather than the opposite, which so many churches and businesses and organizations saw. And I guess I liken it to that where it's like, hey, we're just operating out of values that we believe in. And you can quote what those are. I don't even I don't even know. But I just know that your convictions and values on these topics are driving your decisions. And at the end of the day, like there's a lot of tertiary things that you know do we do this do we do that what about this what about that but it's like at the end of the day like our values are driving this 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 practice and i just think you have a lot to rest on when that is the case and when those values are are good and are ethically and morally like you know upheld <laughs> so you know um, i i never thought of that before um but you're probably right if you are a business owner or you you know, interact with businesses, um, which is all of us. If you wanted to know whether or not you were dealing with a value-based business or you have one, it's probably the growth during COVID is, is a really good barometer to that with the exception of the big businesses that, you, you know, obviously exploit like Costco, Walmart, like these places right. that we'll put those aside. But if you're a small business owner and, um, you deal with the public and, and you saw things grow like your church did. You were probably spot on with that, that they viewed COVID through a value lens. Um, yeah. And, and people really were attracted to that. COVID in a lot of ways with our office made it bigger, not smaller. People, yeah, totally. which didn't make sense, right? I'm touching people all day mm -hmm, long. Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is like the place you should not want to go during a COVID yeah, pandemic, yeah. <laughs> but so yeah. many people found our office as 
um, a peaceful place in a very unpeaceful time because we were not um, behaving based off of our emotions. We were behaving based off of our values. Right. Right. So, yeah. And I, I just, yeah. I, guess, I think that's commendable. Well, thank you. Uh, same to your church. Um, that's pretty awesome. Um, did you want to talk about COVID? Because you said that was the third bucket, like to kind of close this out. Did you want to, did you have any skepticism that you wanted to poke at me with COVID? Well, because I've been outspoken think, about it. I mean, yeah, we can. I didn't know how much, uh, do you have, a, I didn't know how much time you wanted to devote to to this podcast (laughs) um we we definitely can i mean my thought and whatever you can edit this out if it's too long but my thought on covid was again like i take a pretty i tend to be pretty middle of the road and that certainly applies politically so uh, you know i just i just here's the thing i just tend to like not care i just tend to be like (laughs) i I don't know he's he's messed up She's messed up. He's awful. She's awful. He's saying dumb things. He's saying, I don't care. Like, I just, that's like, I tend to just land on a position of like in inaction rather than like, you know, rather than caring. So do you um, vote or do you which, abstain? Do I vote? I Yes, I vote, but I, I vote like very, um, <laughs> reluctantly. Um, yeah. Or just, just kind of like, I get, and this is, I'm like majorly showing my cards here, but like I vote in, like, I don't necessarily vote as though I believe that my vote is doing something. (laughs) I don't necessarily vote out of like a conviction that like this is mattering, like, or this is going to matter. (laughs) Like, I just, I, which is terrible. And I'm not necessarily saying that's a good thing. But so do I you just, take it to the, the extreme level of some people that you and I may know and write in your own voter? Like, do you, do you vote for, like, uh, Alistair Begg for president or something? Oh, yeah, like I that? voted for L.L. Bean in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> I, wrote in, I, I wrote in L.L. Bean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, you know, I listened to a really, or I read and listened to a really good, um, Russell Moore is someone that I really like. He's ethics, kind of ethics in the whatever evangelical world i really liked him and uh he kind of he wrote a piece about writing in it was during the 2020 election and i was like yeah that sounds good russ i'll have that and i just i just followed his advice i was like yeah that's what Mm -hmm. i'm doing but anyway this is beside the point um i'm gonna get all sorts of hate mail (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i know that's pretty taboo you're not supposed to ask somebody how they vote uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you're asking the right person. Yes, <laughs> I am. I don't, I don't care. But, um, but here's my question. Like, I think when it came to COVID, like I was very like, I don't know. It seems like this came out of nowhere. It seems like this hit the nation pretty shockingly. So at least for the average person, and it just seems like we're all kind of trying to figure this out. And so I didn't really hold it against anyone like like for example when the vaccines came out here was here was my here was my opinion of that um and again it may be ignorant but this was my and i i just think a lot of people thought this way and that's why i'm not afraid to to say it i think a lot of people just thought like well they're trying like they're trying with the vaccine like it's something that it's an effort and 
it it seems like no one really knows what to do so you know sure like if it's all it's almost like a speed bump on a street like well something's better than nothing so something is going to slow a speed bump is not going to stop people from speeding but it's going to slow down you know it's going to slow down the average driver and something is better than nothing and i don't know i just kind of i kind of took it from that perspective and so i yeah i, I don't know I, it's not really like a skepticism it's more just like what would you say to that logic um you know when it comes to when it comes to covid so uh i'll work in reverse order with the vaccine and you're saying like it well at least they're trying uh i completely understand that that um that observation i think that that is i think you're probably right in that most people had that observation right um what i had was an advantage to the propaganda of safe and effective. So because of my research um, and because of my interactions with patients, mm. I got to know very intimately that tagline, safe and effective. Because So we talked about um, every intervention has a risk, every non-intervention has a risk. With vaccines in particular... This is the tip of the iceberg as far as um, measuring one side of the equation and not the other. They have been told that they are completely safe. And I have said this multiple times before, but I don't know what safe means when you're talking about a medical intervention. Safe makes sense in baseball only. Yeah. <laughs> so... Safe. Safe from what? Safe from harm? What harm? Safe from chronic harm? Acute harm? Safe from death? Safe from paralysis? So I had been intimately linked with this safe and effective uh, mantra to where a lot of people look at or did look at the COVID shot and go, well, I mean, what's the harm in trying this? They are at least trying the harm was what we've been propagandized against for the last 36 years. Um, so since the year I was born, 1986, it all kind of changed with the, with the Vaccine Act or the Act of 1986. Um, the, the mantra of safe and effective came from the exact opposite of the Supreme Court's ruling during that act, which was, Vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. The pharmaceutical companies who are making them are getting the pants suit off of them because of injuries. And it's, let me get this, let me just be clear. Most people who take a vaccine do not have an injury. Yeah. Some people who take a vaccine have an injury. And so that shouldn't be a controversial statement. You know, um, most interventions are safe um, for most people. Some of them are not. So most women who have C-sections have safe C-sections. Some women die. Some women right. have low back pain. Some women have uh, an infection. You know, there's 
spectrum. I mean, you could you could really say that about anything. One hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah. we stopped measuring the other side of the coin on the safe and effective thing because, like you said, I mean, it's a speed bump. At least they're trying. Maybe this gives me some protection for six months. Maybe it's a year. Um, maybe it it protects me from uh, going into the hospital and overloading the hospital system. All of those sure. were understandable things to view because I really do believe that most of us were under the belief that all vaccines are safe and therefore they don't cause any harm. They are either they work or they don't. And unfortunately, I, I, um, I shouldn't say unfortunately, I, unfortunately that is not true. And I was privy to that untruth, which was why I kind of called it out a little early. Yeah. Um, gosh, I went, so, I went too long. What was the beginning part of your question on that? Well, it, no, I mean, you, you addressed it. Just the whole idea that like, gosh, like some, like we're trying, like no, no one really knows what to do. So like, this seems like a good thing to try, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and in the, in the, in the event of a global pandemic, you know, like that was kind of my thing was like, this is like unprecedented for our generation and therefore like yeah yeah Uh, it just therefore it felt like well gosh like no one no one really knows how to handle this and if you say that you do you're lying because you've never from what experience like when did you when's the last time you you faced the global pandemic you know like was kind of like my one of my skepticisms of that of that time was like listen, I have no idea what to believe, but the few things that I know are that we've never been through this before and no one really knows what they're doing. Well, and this was the only global pandemic, in my opinion. We've never, across the globe, all been affected at the same time by one thing. Technology has yeah. afforded us that now. Like yeah. World War II, there were countries that didn't, they weren't affected by that. That yeah, was that yeah. was a gigantic we called it world war and there were yeah. many countries that were not affected by that you can't find a country that was not affected by covid-19 and technology unfortunately attached us to all of that and it, it makes it unbelievably incredibly unique we are living in real time playing with live ammo with something we've never done before mhm mhm that makes yeah. it hard. That makes it hard to, to behave. That makes it hard to predict. That makes it hard to say no. That makes it hard to say yes. All of that right. makes it very difficult. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, yeah, just the, I think you're right that being in the medical world, but, but, but I was about to say like being in the world, medical world gives you a unique perspective that you know not a, not your lay person like your average lay person has but at the same time like I've talked to people in the medical world who would who would adamantly disagree with your stance on COVID for sure so it's it's like well where does that <laughs> I'm back to growing my own food is the only way to do it <laughs> like you know like it's kind of it's kind of how <laughs> it, I feel like the average skeptic is left to feel because it's or the average I guess not even this average skeptic the average like um <laughs> un, uneducated person is just like well i don't know so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna kind of bop around <laughs> I, well i think that 
I, what I'd really love people who are listening this to understand is that there's no such thing as medical consensus. There really isn't. Um, we get consensus on very, very, very few and very, very simple things. So it confuses people when one doctor says this and the other doctor says that. You know, I have patients that come in and they're like, well, you're the fifth doctor and they've all told me a different thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You realize how divinely complex the human body is. We're mechanics working with a half of a manual to a machine that we don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you can't get a foundational consensus on that. So my opinion on COVID is unique to me personally in my experience and the things that I've read and the things that I've done and, and seen. And s- same goes with one of my great friends, Dr. Fortin, who's in this town, um, who taught me a lot and has a complete opposite opinion on COVID. Him and his staff are currently still wearing masks. And I, I love that man to death. Um, Interesting. Yeah. He's on my route mush, my, my Mount Rushmore um, of people, physicians who have been influential in my life. And so um, he's got reasons for why he and his staff are still wearing a mask. And I have reasons for why my staff and I wore them for two days. And Mm -hmm. so um, it's just really hard. I think people think that um, when you wear the white coat and you all look the same and you act the same, that you should think the same. And it's just not the case. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely it's 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 impossible to have true like medical consensus because of what you said about the manual. Like we're not operating with, you know, we're if, if we knew everything, we would be God. So yes, <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. I I've never really thought about it before, but I I think it might be a, a kind of a trick a play of the mind where doctors do wear the same uniform and you think uniform means uniform decision-making almost military like mm-hmm. it, it's a trick of your mind. This is a, an optical illusion that doctors have similar thoughts and similar patterns. That's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. They have similar patterns. I shouldn't say that, but, but they, they don't agree on almost anything. Yeah, I mean, you can find like-minded, you know, colleagues just like of you course. can in any profession. But yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's why again, I'm going to go back to the informed consent thing. That's why I love informed consent. That's why I love common sense. That's why um, some of the best doctors were the ones that got B's and C's, not all A's, because yeah. uh, the all A's doctors don't know how to communicate their thoughts to people they just think that you should like i'm brilliant why aren't why don't you get this Mm, yeah (laughs) and i'm not brilliant i am very common sense thinking and so when someone brings me an issue and i try to tease it out and i ask some common sense questions and then i give them an answer and that answer provides a very simple path where you can step from one to next to the next to actually get to a conclusion. And then they go, why didn't anybody else tell me that? And I'm like, I don't know. I, I got C's on my test and they got A's. That's why. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. really, uh, 
this is way off topic, but I think that um, medical schools would do a better service. They would pump out better physicians if they were to do personality tests rather than look at MCATs or SAT scores or whatever. Mm, I'm all for it. I think that's, yeah, I think that's a great, <laughs> I think that should <laughs> at least be included. It's I would, not. I think I would pass if that, if that was, <laughs> I think I could, I think I could weasel my way through a personality test and get a, get a, get an MD, you know? Well, you still got to go to the school, but the acceptance rate on school, if you have to have a 3.9 GPA to get into school, it weeds out all the people like me. I don't go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Although, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I thought you were meaning like for the degree itself. I'm like, oh yeah, I could easily, I could easily get that. But <laughs> no, if I got to go to school. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure we should just throw out degrees, medical degrees for, um, personality tests but it's yeah. an interesting thought we might be better off you would you might think yeah I was gonna say you might think that that's what they do but <laughs> uh uh yeah well I think I mean that was everything that I like kind of came to the table with and I feel like the my last thing to comment on it usually I I was gonna mention something like this at the beginning but it's just this as well as, at the end like the whole idea I often refer to like the umbrella of grace and it's not a phrase that I coined or termed, but you know, just the concept that like when you're entering into a conversation with someone or with one or both people who don't have like, who admit that they don't have fully formed ideas. And in this case, it's me. Like you have, I think a lot of fully formed ideas about these things. And I am admitting that I don't, um, and so, like, in an effort to, like, gain a better understanding or, you know, yeah, come to, come to, come to more, come into more knowledge about something, I may ask, like, a stupid question or say something that's even borderline insulting or whatever, express, even, like, express a thought or an opinion that's really only half-baked. And it may not even be something that I actually truly stand by but it's the only way that I know how to express it in the mm -hmm. moment. And you just kind of throw it up against the wall and like see what sticks. And I just feel like that's like what this conversation and conversations like it really are um, is that, you know, and, and the idea with the umbrella of grace is that it covers the entire conversation with just a level of, of patience and understanding with people so that you can get to a point of greater understanding and it basically just allows processing and asking stupid questions to be like safe. And yes. I just have always felt like that with you where I, I know that I am, I'm coming at you with all sorts of half baked, but what about this? But how about this? But why not? And there's all sorts of logic that can meet those types of statements, but you just, yeah, yeah. You never, you never make me feel like it's, it's something dumb or it's something stupid and you know the whole thing is just covered I think with an umbrella so I just have appreciated that and and always have and I feel like that's what more like we need more of that and I think that's uh, yeah we just we just need more of that we need really? less like less polarization and more like let's just talk about it and we'll figure out somewhere to agree and we'll probably walk away with some ways to disagree but you know, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I'm big on that. I, I like the podcast, uh, form. There's, there's much more platform to be graceful because I mean, we've teed this out an hour and a half. Um, 
Luke criticizes me with my tone, I will say that I I am very, very graceful one-on-one. My tone gets poorer when I start talking about um, institutions. So, um, yeah. you know, it's easier for me to have a, a more aggressive tone when I'm talking about the CDC than when I'm talking about my friend Joe Fortin. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's totally. so much easier for me, and and I think that I draw that line. I've made that distinction. I'm okay with with taking a harder line. It's one of the reasons why I was better at saying no during COVID. Um, I am much much better at being um, disagreeable to institutions than I am one on one individuals yes so a good example was the mask thing if i had a patient that came in that asked me to wear a mask i wore it every time i never i never pulled a soapbox up and was like well you know that these things don't work i never i never did that one time i didn't show them a study on why masks don't work to protect them against no like Hmm. hey if you feel more comfortable with me as your doctor wearing a mask i will wear one i will absolutely do that for you and then when OSHA comes by and says, hey, you have to wear one for all your patients, I'm going to go, uh, that's a big fat no, and here's a no trespassing sign. So <laughs> that's, I hope yeah. people who listen to this can be like, oh, that's why he behaves that way. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and we can tease that out further maybe. But I, I think that um, what I'm going to try to do, maybe in the comment section, um, on this, I'll make a little little post about, hey, interview with a skeptic. If you'd like to hear more content like this, give me some ideas, and we'll I'll throw you them, and we'll make another phone call in a month, and we'll do this again because this is yeah, been fun. Yeah, I love it. I think I think there's I think yeah, you you could the list would never end. Like it, I it think couldn't. if people, yeah, yeah, and I I think I think that's exactly what people need is an invitation to mm-hmm. be like, yeah, I've got some questions, and I don't want to be called for them and I don't want to be like nailed to the floor like I'm like I'm just expecting that to be like this girl does not know what she's talking about because so many I think so many of your followers are patients and therefore are like you know educated because you've done a good job of that and so um yeah let's let madhouse ask the dumb questions yeah yeah exactly like (laughs) you don't have to worry about it I'll do it for you yeah so yeah but I I think I think that's what we need is like a platform for people to be like, you know, I'm not honestly sure. And here's why. And that's okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I want someone just like I want an honest doctor to take the time with me in the exam room. Like I want someone to do that with my, my questions and my skepticism too, and not just like shut it out because it's, it's, it's petty, you know, Um, or, or thinking too small, you know, and I, I just think people are often scared that, that that oh yeah my 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 question on this is just so silly and so ignorant that who would ever take the time to ask, you know answer it well you and me can do it on a podcast yeah i appreciate it i think it's I, i'm glad we did it i think it's i think it's yeah hopefully it hopefully it uh inspires it's, more open conversation so no this has been one of the more fun ones that i've done i've never done one through the phone obviously it would yeah be better now to you have opened you up here. a whole new oh, yeah whole gosh. new world you you could take this Take this thing national, baby. <laughs> oh, Mad Hops, thanks for coming on. 
Yeah, I appreciate it, Caleb. Anytime. Happy to be your skeptic, <laughs> your resident, your resident skeptic. You're definitely, uh, we need to get you that t-shirt, resident skeptic, yeah, CWC absolutely. on the sleeve. Absolutely. Yeah. Or just like, I think a lab coat with my name and then um, RS <laughs> at the end of it, you know. <laughs> All right. Deal. We'll have to make that happen. Sweet. Okay. Well, thanks again. Have a good night. Yep. You too. I'll let you know when it posts and I'll keep you posted if people want more. Yeah, absolutely. And um, tell Maddie I said hi. I will. I will. Have a good night. See you later. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.